This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail traders and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Josh, as usual, we're here to make fantasy fun again. But let's be clear: you and I, we still struggle with this idea every day. <laughs> I'm on I'm on your roof Saturday watching the Liverpool Leeds match, and I'm struggling. The sun is blasting down on me. I don't have Salah captained. Meanwhile, you do, and I just decide to rip off this this tweet apropos of nothing not uh-huh. fpl related and i just say the absolute state of these leads haircuts <laughs> that's it that's the tweet yep yep and i want to be i want to be straight up it's not that it's just the man buns and these weird long the alien, haircuts on the, sure sure mm-hmm. yeah no i even even click with his he's even the short haircuts i found to be weird and disarming on leads is it click or clish i guess we should know this because he scored but i actually don't know (laughs) it's it's click we need at least two game weeks uh to 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 pronounce all the names correctly for the promoted teams but anyway yes the the third man the the third goal i feel like this tweet landed for some people but in particular it did not land for my friend pig teats 11 because his response to my my Leeds Haircuts tweet was this. People like you are the reason I never set foot in a football ground. Chelsea fans used to literally chase me down the street for having long hair. Most fans care about football, not faking haircuts. Says the man LARPing, and now Pig Teats 11 is talking about my Twitter profile picture. Says the man LARPing as an 1890s Londoner, Peaky Blinders need their costuming back, blood. So... I don't wow. know. Actually, yeah. you know, if you if you look at it, it's not fun. My tweet is not really fun. Pig Teats 11's tweet, definitely, definitely not fun. Not fun. Nope. But when we step back, you know, honestly, that was kind of a fun exchange when I think about <laughs> it's it. It's the best and worst of Twitter at the really at the same time. 
All right. So that's that's our making fantasy fun again moment for for this week. Uh, we, we are uh, six. I guess we're six eights through uh, the game week, but uh, we, we we're going to stick with our schedule. And there's you know, the, it's a very drawn out. Uh, all, the, all these matches this season are very drawn out uh, in ways that are awesome and terrible, I think, in equal measure. Um Probably would have been fine if we had taken that West Ham Newcastle match and, and just grouped it together with the South <laughs> Southampton yeah, right. uh, Palace match. I feel like we, those could have been matches that I watched simultaneously. But uh, you know, on the other hand, it was eight hours of sports on a Saturday, and uh, we have we haven't had a lot of that uh, in the last six months. So uh, it was it was it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome just to be glued, um, like just classic fall day. Mid September, mm-hmm. glued to the TV, like oh, yeah. just it was it was great. So you know, we're so we're, that's where we are. Uh, there's two matches uh, tomorrow, I guess today by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but let's just talk about where we are right now with our teams. Um, you know, I don't even want to get into too much about the the eleventh hour stuff because I feel like that's something that um, everyone listening, you know, will have that moment this weekend where a player that was in your squad did extraordinarily well. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, there were two, and they were in the same match. Uh, I had uh, I had talked myself into Jamie Vardy over the course of Friday, and uh, decided that um, I was going to have Vardy, and it was just a one week punt because I wanted to bring in Anthony Martial in game week two, um, and so I just get the player that I think could do the could do the best. Uh, and then I sort of was like, you know what? Why am I overthinking this? Is Danny Ings uh, way, way to Crystal Palace. This team is is wiped out. I'm just going to go with Ings instead. And then I was also like, you know what? I want to set my defense up for the long term. Don't go with James Justin. Uh, just a little too risky. May lose a spot eventually. Go with Ben Davis. Nice, simple, uh, strong, sure. strong, <laughs> uh, swan, uh, strong um, Spurs defense. They used um, to be on Swansea, Josh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, strong Spurs defense, and uh, yeah, so that, that, that like that like the last half hour of um, of the um, Leicester match was that moment for me where I was like, "Yep, like those are the two. Everybody's got a couple, and those are the two for me." So um, yeah. I'm on sixty points. I've got two players to go tomorrow: Sace and uh, and Werner. Sixty, I think, is fine uh, through you know with nine to play. I, I you know, I, I guess my rank is 800,000, um, presumably to be higher after tomorrow's matches. Um, there's 6 million people registered at this point. So, um, you know, top 20%, uh, that feels whatever that 18%, whatever the, you know, I'm not good. I'm not great at math, Brandon. Uh, but you know, somewhere Clearly. in that range. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think it's fine. And I, I think you're kind of in the same boat, right? Yeah, I'm dead on with 60 points. I'm technically on 59 with my one-pointer from Kyle Walker-Peters to come off the bench. But the way I view game week one is, yeah, there will be lots of Sturm and Drang about, oh, I had, I mean, last time we podcasted on our, on our main feed, Josh, I was big upping Will Zaha. Yep, I Will called him Zaha. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know if you agree with this take, but I'm almost glad that I didn't bring Zaha in ultimately because it was the the second goal that was marginally offside that really would have killed me. Now that's <laughs> that's yeah, a hilarious the, the thing brace. to say because sure. I would yep. definitely take his one goal over Saka's zero points. But yeah, mm. if I talk about my eleventh hour regrets, Zaha would be one, and then yeah, I did the Vardy to Ings move as well in favor of Ings, so I kind of kind of missed that, but. So there's all this effort put into your game week one draft. And now everyone is panicking. They're just sort of like either I blew it or 
maybe I need to uh, solidify here or there. Mm-hmm. It's like these video games like Fortnite or PUBG where you get parachuted into an open world. And it, Hunger Games starts out like this too, right? You just pop up in a world where you don't know what the rules of the game are. You don't know what weapons you have at your disposal and you just you get your starting point. So mm-hmm. now everyone with your game week one squad, whether you finish, whether you're going to finish on 40 points or 90 points, that's your starting point. Either you found a knife in a bush or you found a bazooka in a barn. <laughs> right. um, and so now, now the game is afoot and you have right. to understand you. It's not that you blew it. Now you understand what your starting position is. And now you have to push forward to find more weapons, to carve out territory, to find shelter. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I'm trying to approach whatever this game week one result is going to be. This is just the starting point that I ended up with. And now the game begins. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good perspective. Um, yeah, you can't lose anything, uh, in game week one. And, um, it's, it's, this is where Twitter can really start to like corrode your brain a little bit. Um, especially if you're like on fantasy Twitter, because it's, Simultane- especially in game week one, ugh, or it's just like it's simultaneously everybody complaining about the players they had who they dropped uh, the last minute or people who got something right who are celebrating with like 27 exclamation points, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like it's got to no, Yeah, no in between. Here's another piece of perspective where that's concerned. You and I are both sitting on 60 points. You have one more player to go, but we're both on 60 points. I captained Aubameyang and you captain Salah. You nailed your captaincy. And I think I just say that to prove the point that it's just it's very marginal right now. Mm -hmm. If you felt like, oh, I missed this one call, but there were other good things that happened in my squad. That's a good thing. You have you have steady footing to to uh, to move from. Yeah. And I think the one thing you have to really keep in mind, too, is, um, you know, yeah, got the captaincy right. That's great. Um, A lot of the other players, lots of blanks uh, in the team. But I think it, you really have to keep in mind that this was a blank game week. There were four teams who didn't play, and three of those teams were were Man City, Man United, and Burnley. And in some ways, even though Man City and Man United are superior teams, those are three of the most important teams in fantasy because Burnley are full of defenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, many of whom, like people, might have paid extra for for Pope, for example, just to have him all season. Um, you know, Taylor in game week one, you may have wanted to have him as well. Um, it just really would have changed things if we had had those. And, you know, obviously all the Man City and Man United players, I mean, if Man United played in game week one, I almost certainly would have had one of their attackers, whether it was Bruno or, or, um, uh, you know, Martial or Rashford or whomever, whoever, whoever it may be, right. It's hard to even think that way um, going to game week one, but let's, you know, if so, yeah, Man City obviously as well. So I think, because of that, it, everyone kind of had a slightly funky team. You know, I, I had mm. Jared Bowen and St. Maximum in my starting lineup. <laughs> like, that's not optimal, you know. Yeah. And, and maybe in, in hindsight, the the move would have been just to bury one of the Man United, one of the Man United Man City players on your bench and have them ready for game week two. That is looking like a better outcome now. But, you know, it's kind of hard to go into that first game week and, and bench expensive players and, and, and play that much of a long game. Um, yeah. It just it's not very fun. And you also I, I felt like um, certainly that's how I felt Friday night. You run the risk of just kind of giving one game week away in order to play, yeah. you know, play for the long yeah. term. And so um, the way that I did it is I, I only spent ninety nine million. I left myself one million in the bank um, in order to make some make make my transfers a little bit easier. Um, and for example, my, my plan right now is to move from Ings to uh, Martial. 
I may do that early in the week if it looks like there's a price rise, but otherwise I'm going to hang out for a few days and, and sort of see um, how things go. The other move that may have to happen is Jared Bowen to literally anybody. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. uh i don't really know what the that that is the classic 1 a.m before game week one move where you're like i don't know what to do with this slot and mm-hmm. you know william was a little too expensive and didn't fit into the long-term plans uh, he would have been awesome obviously we're gonna talk about him more in a second uh but i i just didn't really know what to do and so i thought you know what west ham home to newcastle i think they could do well and it's just bizarre i mean it felt like they I mean, it's like I, I can't remember ever seeing a team that looked like they quit on their coach before the season yeah. even started. It was such a strange performance from them. Genuinely shocked that West Ham didn't look to to solve that managerial question over the the short break. It, David Moyes he he saved them from relegation last season. He's he's done it before. You have to give him some degree of credit there, but this sure. is not the guy that's going to take. Take a team that I, I mean, West Ham has potential. They have, they have really tremendous young up and coming players. And you look at a, a talismanic figure like Declan Rice, you've got to give this guy a reason to stick around. And David Moyes is probably not going to be that reason for him. And uh, yeah, if if you put the money down on who's first for the sack, I think Moyes is going to be uh, right up there. I mean, I do want to talk a little bit about reactionary, like hot takery from yeah. this weekend. And well, so let's. I don't, let's uh, Let's do it. Let's get, yeah, let's get right into some questions here. Um, Because I think that, I think you will get a moment to respond, especially when we talk about (laughs) Fulham Arsenal in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, Eric Freeman says, um, keep us from hitting the panic button. What players looked good despite not hauling big fantasy points? Yeah, well, I think if, if we were talking about players that we already probably have in our team, Aubameyang, a seven-pointer seems like a huge disappointment for a highly captained 12 million midfielder, like the most yeah. expensive, among the most expensive players in the game. And you think this was where we wanted Aubameyang and needed Aubameyang to haul, and he's just come away with one goal, a yellow card, and no bonus. I still think that Arsenal looked phenomenal. Aubameyang mm-hmm. had plenty of chances to both score and assist. Lacazette had a clear shot on goal that Rodak miraculously saved with his his feet. So I think Aubameyang has definitely earned his place in game week two for me. And the armband is still on him. And if you then I think if you look at players who were not in our team, who, wow, looked way better than I was expecting, also on Arsenal. You mentioned William a moment ago, Josh. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was interesting to see how he transferred to our, uh, transferred his his form from Chelsea to Arsenal, and I think there are a lot of question marks about how much how was he going to fit into the squad? Was Pepe going to occupy that space? Was he going was William going to push, push Pepe farther forward? Well, we've seen William is already w- ready to take on a leadership role in the Arsenal midfield, which is amazing, and he's going to be on a ton of set pieces. So suddenly. Aubameyang to William looks like a very interesting way to save some cash, but still not mm-hmm. give up on what is going to be a flare attacking team this season. Yeah, I, I think just in, in terms of, um, and I, I guess, yeah, you're right. Hitting the panic button does would make you think that we're thinking purely about uh, players that we might have in our team. And I guess one player that uh, people would have who didn't, who almost got a red card, got it rescinded. Um, I thought uh, Kyle Walker Peters um, looked like a pretty good, pretty good value at 4.5 million. Uh, 
very nearly uh, picked up an assist right at the end. And yeah, you know, an, another example of why you can't um, you can't look at the results and just I, I didn't think Southampton looked good. Um, I don't see any strong. I'm not, I don't feel strongly compelled to keep Danny Ings uh, any longer. I mean, we'll see what happens. It may be that he stays for more game week. But, you know, he had a golden point-blank chance right at the end of the match. That goes in. Probably, probably uh, you know, three bonus points for him as well. He finishes on nine. Uh, suddenly, it's a very comparable return to, to Jamie Vardy. Um, and Kyle Walker-Peters picks up an assist in that moment as well. So, yeah, I think that um, – I, I didn't actually think Ings looked that good, but um, he's so dangerous. I think that um, – Well, we were watching that Southampton match, and we continually were commenting on the lack of midfield thrust from Southampton. So if you are going to give Haas and Hoodle any credit, you'd think he can tweak that midfield going into game sure. weeks two and three and maybe give Ings a little more support. I mean, maybe the, – the theory watching that was, is Che Adams surplus to requirements here? They Do they – not need a second striker they need another body in the midfield to help so i uh, i don't know che adams is one where you might be panicking slightly uh, do you think so we, i th- i thought he looked better than ings in this match in some ways look more dangerous um mm-hmm. you know I, yeah maybe maybe as a justin owner this is another panic button that i'm hesitating not to press like Easy for me to say walking away with nine points, but Justin was getting annihilated on yeah. the left-hand side by West Brom. And he was every time he took possession of the ball, he was getting tackled. He wasn't able to make tackles himself. Yeah. Though though, like this is where you have to have the the push and pull of the panic. Even though you run the eye test over Justin, you're like, wow, he didn't look very good. All you still watch and you're like, wow, he's getting in incredible attacking positions. He's just right. like loitering in the 18 yard box on the attacking end. And sure enough, he ends up getting Skype down for a penalty. So yeah. opposite um, I side think, of the pitch he plays on too, right? He seemed to creep into the middle uh, yeah. during some passages of play. So it's like he gets a little bit of a free license. So those are things that you pick up on of like, right. This is the FPL part of my brain of like, well, maybe I'm not giving them a pass on them as an actual footballer, but as an FPL asset. Sure. Let's keep rolling. Yeah. Who got burned more uh, on the left this weekend? uh, Him or Matt Doherty? Uh, That was crazy. It was like it was like some weird like like a film that was like caught in a loop or something. It was like every like 90 seconds Richarlison had the ball virtually unmarked uh, and bearing down on goal. I was like, how can this keep, ha-? I mean, they had to take him out and like, you actually wonder if maybe he just shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been starting yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, I just, it, he was yeah, huffing and puffing at the end of the yeah, match. Yeah. Not really a great week for fullbacks at all, except for yeah, Lucas Dean. Trent yeah. looked terrible. The, the Liverpool defense was just all sixes and sevens. I think I'm using not that correctly. great. Yeah, yeah, not, not awesome. So, all right, let's keep let's, let's try to keep things positive, though, Brandon. I, I Eric said not, don't hit the panic button, and then we just panicked to like nine players. So let's move <laughs> I'm to pressing it right now. I hope I didn't stop the recording by yeah. like, pressing the panic button. Yeah, say maximum is an interesting, uh, interesting option. I I don't really know what to think of after that game. I'm like. Does anything he does lead to fantasy returns? It was like it was kind of, it's kind of fun to watch him play, but you're also like I don't know what it's it's like. It reminds me of um, I'm not even sure what it reminds me of. It's he's a very unique player, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I, I I don't know how long he's gonna be my team for. I'm certainly keep, you know, keep him for the Brighton match, but um, 
he's a he's an interesting player, isn't he? Yeah, I think the way to say don't press the panic button on St. Maximin is you have to be encouraged by Newcastle's team performance yeah, there. Totally, yeah. Walked away easily with the three points, and it's just game week one. So if you say Newcastle is clearly heading in the right direction, that's only going to benefit all of the attacking players. Maybe it's going to benefit their defense. I'm not at all really still interested in Newcastle's defense, but I think... If as they continue to grow and gel, a player like Saint Maximin probably has some FPL value to to give us. I think so. Um, I, and, and like the you know, I think the point is like at five point five million, you can't expect returns every week from those types of players. Um, at five point yeah, five million, right. I think uh, one every three matches is probably um, a more reasonable expectation. They're just you know, if they were if they were delivering like every other match, they they would be eight, nine, ten million. So um, yeah, certainly not too worried about about him so far. And like you said. Um, Wilson seems to be really making a difference there. All right, so we talked about the good. Um, Jeff Husby says, um, of all the players you discussed in the nearly eight hours of prep podcast, is that all it was? It feels like even more hours than that. <laughs> he says, which, which performances have surprised you so far? He says both good and bad. We already talked about the good. Who surprised you in a bad way? Was, did anybody did anybody strike you as, wow, he was not ready for the season to, to restart? Yeah, I, I mean, I said Liverpool defense. That was a shocking performance against yeah. Leeds. And you, you do have to give some credit to Leeds. I think we were both a little skeptical about how Leeds would come out of the gates mm-hmm. in game week one. And they, they certainly coming off of the watching the Arsenal Fulham match, Leeds were, were streets beyond where, where Fulham was against Arsenal. However, Trent... And Van Dyke and Gomez, uh, I think Robertson will get a pass this week, were full of blunders and errors. And I kind of couldn't believe what I was watching. Now, I don't know if this is just like a continue, like how long is this hangover going to last for Liverpool? I don't know. There was a moment uh, in like the 60 or 70th minute of that match, because you know, because Mane would be the one who comes to mind as somebody who was like a little, a little disappointing for, for 12 million. And there was a moment, I think it was, it was when it was three to Liverpool and um, Salah, who just looked fantastic. I thought really the, the entire match um, works this uh, really nice uh, combination. I can't remember if it was, it was, if it was with Mane the whole time or not, but it sort of ended with him playing Mane and Mane just blows like a really easy chance. And, they both just kind of laugh afterwards, like whatever, <laughs> you know, it's just like, there, there's not, there's no fire. They're just like, Oh, well, I guess we blew that one. Eh? And, <laughs> oh, whoops. and on the one hand, you're like, it's well, like I guess a slide it's, whistle it's, going. Yeah. And on one hand, you're like, well, like it's, it's good that they're so loose, I guess. Like you don't want to be too tight, but then of course they conceded a third goal, you know, three minutes later. And you're like, man, you guys are just like laughing about this, this missed, you know, this missed shot a minute ago. Uh, now you might, drop two points in this match and then you know they almost did except for the you know the late penalty so um yeah i think that I mean, this is just why it's so hard to win uh tw- you know two years in a row right it's just so hard mm-hmm. to unless you um i you know i don't i mean like i you know i think the squad death is a problem I mean, you know in, in man city um you know you have pep who's kind of pathologically motivated to, to, mm-hmm. to, you know, to win in, in ways that probably hurts him sometimes, but, um, but they also have like tons of squad depth. So, you know, Raheem Sterling knows, um, 
sort of like a famous thing, right? From Pep, where it's like he like, you know, he knows like if he misses a big chance, like he may not start the next game. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's like a ton of pressure on these players. Probably means they don't play with the same joy as Liverpool, um, at least at times. But yeah. um, but I, I think it does um, you know, keep that fire going. And so I don't know. Um I it's it worries me a little bit from the from a defensive standpoint. I mean, you know, Trent was um really a, a complete non-factor in this match. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I don't think that'll last. Um, I certainly wouldn't be looking to, to drop Trent yet, but mm-hmm. um, it was a little, it was a little concerning just how, um, just how non-existent he was, especially when you have Robertson, who was 0.5 million cheaper, who was just all over the, I mean, he was on like all the set pieces. He was taking corners, which is, that's a, he would occasionally take corners last year, but not, not to this level. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. I would say just going back to Lester, we talked about Justin, but I do think there are a few red flags surrounding Lester. Like it, uh, what I saw against them playing against West Brom was there's a lot of that team post restart from the end of last season that's still there. In that, the first half, I was like, I don't know if this Lester team can score against West Brom, and that's yeah. really not where you want to be with yeah. Lester at the moment now. Vardy proved his ten, worth of 10 million pounds coming away with the brace, but it's on two penalties. And I, I just, I think that we, we have to monitor Lester pretty closely because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that result really does flatter them as far as FPL is concerned. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. T- I mean, two pens. That's, that's, I, I thought, I mean, I actually thought the, um, uh, Castagna, uh, I mean, he looks, that he goal looks was dangerous. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was nice. And and Pratt, I guess maybe he flew a little on the radar as a five point five million option. I mean, this is it's it's I, these five point five million players. It's like just like well, yeah. you could have just thrown all thirty seven of them in a bucket and picked two <laughs> out, right? It's like who who right. knew who was going to be the you know the best option? Yeah. It, it feels like a complete crapshoot. I mean, you know, it ended up being that you could have just invested in some of these Leeds players, you know, mm-hmm. um, which actually leads me right into the next question, which is from Boston Prop. He says, now that we've seen all the promoted teams, uh, which players in them intrigue you, and which ones were you wrong about? Says looking at you, Mitro. So Brandon, you've been waiting <laughs> to unleash your your hot take in response. This is a cold take in uh-huh. response to the hot take about Fulham. So let's just just give me give me your Fulham take. What like you, you, not even like necessarily responding to Boston Ross's question here, but just what are you thinking about Fulham right now? Is there any fantasy value here across the board with this team? I don't know if you can hear the police sirens in the background. Of course, they came on right when we started talking about Fulham. So. I had a, I had an issue with social media during the Fulham Arsenal match because there was a lot of hot takery about wow Fulham might be the worst team to ever play in the top division in England and yeah. there's like no way they're getting more than Derby County's eleven points this season and <laughs> it's less it's less me as a Fulham fan having that sting and it's kind of like. What did you what did you expect was going to happen here? Like, how is this? How they they lost three nil to a really good Arsenal team in their first match um, in an empty stadium. I'm just like, what did you think you were going to see here? They didn't make a lot of uh, robust signings in the offseason They're And I think that's actually a good thing for Fulham. That's something that they tried in 2018 to just bring in a bunch of. Um, new player, new famous. players. In some ways, it was like famous players, right? It was like yeah, the like Andre Sherlas of the world, yeah. and that's that's yeah. not what you want at all. I mean, yeah. and I mean, they did get burned on like trying to reinvent themselves with players like Sari and 
Mm-hmm. I, but he was another I, kind of famous, like he was like a mm-hmm. highly touted player. That was a, that was a sure. big signing for them. Yep. Sure. So I'm not here to say, no, actually Fulham are secretly good and that is a wrong read on this team. I'm just kind of like, Fulham are what they are. And I, I can't believe that, <laughs> that not, not many people sort of came to terms with this before okay. they actually watched them play Arsenal. Okay, that that is fair, but I mean, I am I am one of the people who who got I I feel like a little silly now that I have Mitro, right? Like I mean, like thinking about this team and thinking about the Arsenal match being probably a pretty tough match. You know, I, he played 180 minutes away to Serbia, which I took as a good sign as opposed to a like this is like this is like the first time ever where we're going into a game week one and a player is on international break induced rest. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's a, that was a new challenge to deal with. Uh, well, uh, okay, so one. that's Mitro, what it was. Yeah. Mitro's had a hamstring issue, you know, since the the Fulham were in the playoffs. Imagine, like, I if there are any Serbian people out there listening, I want to hear your opinion on this. But I imagine Mitro shows up in the Serbian locker room, like he's playing 180 minutes. Like there, <laughs> that's a lot of machismo yeah. probably happening in that yeah. locker room. Yeah, and if if Mitro is out. Fulham's season is kaput. It's done. It's over. So if he comes back and the and the medical staff says, I don't know, you've got a, some issue. You, you're still feeling something in your hamstring. We can't give you that many minutes. So you're, you could say you're foolish for not having Mitro, but only because he didn't play. Uh, right. I would go back to his stats from a a repulsive Fulham team in the 2018-19 season. Mitro right. still led all forwards in the league. He he was he had the most shots in the entire league, save Mo Salah during the 2018-19 season. So we're just talking about his FPL price tag here. Now, obviously, if Fulham continue to look like they have no invented inventiveness in the midfield, then yeah, dump him. But right, I but if he's but I guess the 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 concern would be, and maybe and I don't think we know the answer to this question. So I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but the concern would be if his health is is so precarious that he's at risk of, of frequently only playing 20 minutes in a match, then clearly he's not worth owning, you know? No, and I think that's, no. that's what we yes. have to. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, do you, I mean, you feel like if I, if you, you just, if you just have to like throw out a number, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, trying to put you on the spot here too much, but like, do you think, do you think he starts away to leads? Like you think there's a pretty good chance of that? Or do you think that's, it's up in the air? I'd say it's up in the air. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Unless yeah. we, unless we hear otherwise, I mean, the, and, we talk about you know American press conferences versus uh, English press conferences not very forthcoming, so we won't know. So right. like I don't know, and that's yeah. that's just the facts. And yeah, I think it's fair to say the the appeal of Mitro and that price tag is he's going to play Harry Kane levels of minutes, and if that comes into doubt, then yeah, then he's absolutely one hundred percent not even worth six and get him Fair on enough. Team. I had to push hard to get you there. I knew I would eventually <laughs> if I used the right combination of words. Um, I, I think the concern with with them though too is is just whether they can score enough in general. I mean, yeah, looking at this midfield, I'm looking I'm on, the, on their on their um, team page on the website right now. I mean, there's honestly not a not a particularly good player in that midfield. I mean, I, you know, I think Tom Kearney is a a, a pretty good player, but uh, other than that, it's 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 not. Super strong, you know. I mean, I, no offense to them. I like Fulham, and I I would love to see them stay out, but it's 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 not a, it's it's not very strong, you know. And so I th- I do think that there's a little bit of worry about if he's going to get the ball enough to score. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to sign uh, at least one more midfielder. They've 
been signing goalkeepers and I mean they needed more right backs but yeah 100% they need an attacking a robust attacking midfielder or they're sunk for sure yeah yeah uh the other two teams um well we'll, we'll, let's leave Leeds for last because they're the most interesting team but just West Brom I I think the one thing that that did stand out was um I thought uh Callum Robinson earned the start 5.5 million classified as a forward I uh was he was he not classified as a mid last year? I guess they, I guess he got moved up to the forward spot when he moved uh, to West Brom. I, I could be wrong about that, but I thought he was a midfielder. I don't recall, season. to be honest with you. I don't. Yeah. Well, regardless. Um. So so Robinson starts at five point five million. I thought he had a couple of chances in the match. I thought he looked mm-hmm. pretty decent. I don't know. There was anything else that really stood out to me. Um. On this uh, on this West Brom team. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's. I feel like they came. They they looked solid. They looked like they read the brief. They got the brief, and they looked a little more solid than you would say Fulham did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still tons of concerns there. Yeah, no no real FPL takeaways for me. Yeah, me either. I mean, I'm sort. I'm still very curious about uh, Matthias Perea um, and and you know Diagana, um, five point five million. Um, he actually kind of their best chance of the game uh, was mm-hmm. was created by him in the, in the first mm-hmm. half. And so I think he's interesting um, and and somebody that I may keep my eye. On. Maybe you know Saint Maximum turns into him at some point. Yeah, the the, the knee jerk there would be Pereira on West Brom at six million compared to any Leeds asset. Leads look like they're going to score more goals. Just goal for goal, Leads will score Mm -hmm. more. So if you've got that 5.5 to 6 million budget, Pereira, sorry, uh, you you look like a great fun player, but you have to, (laughs) in a shrewd FPL move, you have to just start looking at Leads. So let's that brings us to Leeds. Uh, in some ways, a difficult match to assess because um, you know the defense did concede four goals and and two penalties, um, and uh, that's obviously going to, to to play a factor. And 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 leaving Mo Salah unmarked for a second goal, which I mean, I know the ball kind of fell to him, but not that was not pretty. I mean, he yeah. was able to tee that thing up like it like it was a like he was playing against practice cones, you know, that was, he, he, he looked like he was playing a carnival game where it was just like, <laughs> Hey, how hard can you kick the ball? Win the teddy bear. <laughs> but Stuart Dallas comes away with an assist. And this is sort of the, the story with, with uh, leads that their defenders can pick up uh, some points um, a little bit. Um, yeah. A little, a little bit like a wolves a couple seasons ago when they came up a uh, different formation, but same idea. I thought the, uh, I thought what, what impressed me was, um, I, I mean, they just for, for one thing, they seemed really confident. Uh, I felt like they, like, were just like, I mean, they like looked like they knew what they were doing out yeah. there. And yeah. you don't often see promoted teams come up and look like they're just like ready to, to win. You know, at Hanfield, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in game week one. So, uh, did any particular players or, or moments or anything like that, you know, stand out for you in that match? Yeah, Jack Harrison at five point five, and you know, this is a this is a young man who we saw playing for NYCFC up in Yankee Stadium, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he's from he's from Stoke. Come to our great shores here at the states. I didn't know that you just just a few short years later you'd see him scoring against Premier League champions at, at Anfield. But the way yeah. he cut that ball to his right onto his shooting foot and and finished the way he did, that makes me more interested in the midfielders at Leeds at that price point than somebody like Bamford. It looks like Bamford is leading the charge to have a price rise uh, early this week. 
And so bump, which, he bumped up to five. Which I think is crazy because, I mean, the one goalie scrub was a slightly lucky goal. I actually thought he missed a bunch of chances. Um, and I think that Rodrigo is eventually going to take his spot. So I I would not be on the Bamford train personally. Although they do play Fulham yeah. at home in game week two. So maybe as a short-term move, it's yeah. um, it, it's worth it. Yeah, just leagues in general, I'm kind of bullish. But I know you've been very, like, you feel like the like the Marcel Bielsa stuff has been like a little oversold. But coming it's, out of that well, match, yeah. coming out of that match, it's hard not to be kind of excited about Leeds. I'll say that much. Yeah, it's a little bit like... I, uh, I'm i not going to try and convince you that Fulham are good and Leeds are not good. Obviously, Fulham are not great and Leeds are pretty good. But I'm I, it's, my, it, it's my Midwest mentality, Josh, where I want everyone to just be a little nicer. Sure. <laughs> everyone okay, here's just what, relax. Okay, relax I'm about Bielsa. My, relax about Fulham. Sure. I'm going to take my, sport, my, my fantasy hat off for a second. I'm going to put on my sports hat. And I'll just say this much, Brandon. Leeds know how to score goals. There are so few teams in the Premier League that know how to score goals. Like we saw this all weekend and we're going to see this all season long. And it is such a relief when they're, when a team joins the Premier League from the championship, you know, one of these promoted teams and actually seems like they know how to score goals. It is very exciting and it's fun as a fan and it's fun as a fantasy player. And so for that reason alone, the ability to score goals, I am, I am excited about the, the leads experience going into the season. All right, Brian, let's take a break. We're going to talk about transfers and strategy for game week two. House cleaning time, Brandon. Everybody loves to clean their house, don't they? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a hugely popular thing that everybody loves to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Patreon. Thank you so much to all of the new Patreon supporters that we've picked up over the last week who've joined uh, to say thank you or to access the bonus podcast to get the mini league mate re- uh, weekend review newsletter, which will be coming to you, I think, what Monday night or Tuesday morning. Yeah, uh, that's that's very exciting. The always cheating. Brandon, are we going to start calling it this? I I dropped this uh, on you uh, on Saturday, but I think we should now call this the Harvey Milk Mustache Cup yes. in honor of your beloved cat. Beginning that begins at Game Week Five. Yeah, uh, my poor, yeah. my poor, my poor cat who died of feline leukemia a couple weeks ago uh, yeah. now has her own cup named in her honor. That's that's something. It's uh, it's the it's the best I could do. In a socially distanced way. I guess I could have sent you a card or something. That's not really yeah, my, thanks, Josh. Not really my way. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and at the highest tiers, you can get our new Make Fantasy Fun Again t-shirt. Um, so, yeah, lots of different ways to support us. Uh, I don't really know why I went down that road at all. Uh, Brandon, uh, can you thank our new Patreon supporters, please? I'd love to. At the producer level, thanks to Sam Shower, Henry Baker, and Will Husby. And thanks to our Volkswagen patrons, Linda San Pellibrino. Simon and James Teague at the Lord Sorloth tier. Big thanks to Dan Briggs, Yoshia Ikahashi, Christian Schultz, Angelo DQ, Nigel Henze, Andrew Ovens, Chris James, Ben DeLucci, Michael Bradley, the the famous American midfielder. Michael Bradley, this is incredible. (laughs) Uh, Also, Andrew Yogev Baliti, David Conway, Eric Sibbles. Well, great to see you there, Eric. Logan Jory, Tim Fontenot and Alexander and at the Pookie patron tier quick. Thanks to our friends, Greg Marsh, Sam Mullins, Ben Cohen, Victor Wolf, Dan Schmick, Dimitri Slavin, David Lentz, Chris Tang, Owen O'Keefe, Zach Snyder, Zaf Snyder, not the director of Batman versus <laughs> Superman, Philip Shaw and Zach Bardwell. 
And once again, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Brandon, that was shout out number one. Here comes shout out number two, the hub, fantasy football hub. Go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always to get 25% off whichever tier you choose. Why would you do that? Brandon, that's some of the finest managers in the game. And I, I that sounds like like some sort of hyperbolic thing, but I, I it honestly is true. I mean, some of like the smartest, most mm-hmm. successful long-term managers um, have basically been um, brought in by this site. And they uh, they go on podcasts, they talk about their strategy, they do team reveals of their of their squads each game week. Um, it's a great masterclass from some of the finest fantasy managers managing today, managing their fantasy teams. Um, and in addition to that, if all you want are just the real-time Optus stats, yeah. then you can go in there and, and grab those as well. So um, that's something for, for me. Um, I, I sort of go back and forth. Um, sometimes I um, sometimes I, I want other people's thoughts on my head. Sometimes I just want to go in there and dig um, into the data myself and come up with my own conclusions. Either way, no matter what kind of manager you are, you will find both options on the hub. So go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always uh, to access um, all those articles, all those podcasts, all those videos, um, and get 25% off whichever tier you choose. All right, Brandon, game week two kicks off. Uh, obviously, we still have two more matches in game week one, but game week two kicks off on Saturday. Very spread out once again. I'm realizing there are, there are no double ups this this weekend. Oh, Brandon, my, my poor family. You know, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to record some of these. I, mm-hmm. It's, it's going to get – which ones? Okay, okay, okay. Looking at the next 10 matches, Brandon. Okay. You get, which ones are you going to skip? Yeah, what's the skipper? Everton, West Brom. In theory, that's the skipper. But it's seven thirty on Saturday. What am I? What else have I got to do? Also, like, Everton com, coming out of this yeah, weekend. Sure. Everton look like a bunch of absolute studs. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely watching that match. That, that's a good point. We went, we actually went a little bit long uh, in the opening section, so we didn't get a chance to talk about Everton too much. But I was super impressed by Everton in the mm-hmm. Spurs match, and obviously, like, yeah, I mean, you you could focus on how Spurs looked like. <laughs> it was you know in some ways it was an interesting parallel the the Newcastle. West Ham match and the uh, you know the the West Ham Newcastle match I guess I should say and the um, Spurs Everton match both featured home teams facing um, facing teams that basically remade their squads over mm-hmm. the summer uh, and in both cases the remade teams looked way better than the established group. <laughs> yeah, Strange. and I would I would even say Crystal Palace was kind of remade just because of injury and mm-hmm. Southampton weren't great, but I thought Crystal Palace just. I don't know how Hodgson does it, but they he continues to somehow take the scraps at Selhurst yeah. Park and make them look fantastic. And when even at the end, when Eze came on, they were just bossing the uh, yeah. midfield. So I'm kind of getting a little excited about Crystal Palace here. He's like the dream he, for for these owners for like the the lower half table clubs or you know tenth tenth place on down. Like yeah. he must be like the he's the dream manager, right? Because you just can't ever imagine a Roy Hodgson team going down and they're not dreadful to watch. I mean, they're not like my favorite team to watch, but I, you know, I mean yeah. like they're, they play competent football. Like they're not, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's and not the fans, dreary. I wouldn't say Hodgson is not the sort where the fans just turn on him. I mean, it was kind of a different story when he was the England manager, but um, sure. you know, he's Higher just stakes, like a, a, a likable cherry cheeked grandpa. Mm-hmm. Doing his best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so, we're all rooting yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Everton West Brom kicks things off. I God, you know, I mean, at this point, I'm sort of like 
maybe I bring in Lucas Dean, you know, I mean, I'm sort of, uh, uh, I was hugely mm-hmm. impressed uh, with 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 that whole squad, and so um, yeah, I think there's a lot to watch there. So as far as skippable matches go, maybe Newcastle Brighton. That's 9 a.m. on Sunday. Yeah. I could probably watch Saint Maximum mm-hmm. try his best a little bit later. <laughs> um, Aston Villa Sheffield United on Monday. That seems mm-hmm. like a skippable one too. That's mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'll actually. What about Leicester Burnley? I mean, it's going to be Burnley's first game week. Uh, this season, so you kind of want to suss out their assets there. But Leicester Burnley seems like a DVRable fixture. I'll catch it later. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good shout there, especially because I I still won't have Vardy unless mm-hmm. I stumble into a wild card. So I don't want to watch him do well uh, at home to Burnley. That's just <laughs> going to be annoying. So yeah, I think that's that's, that's a skippable one. So uh, let's get on to some questions here. Andrew Sigel says uh, Salah versus Aubameyang captaincy round two. Who you got in the rematch? So let's let's maybe, maybe make this more of a um, a Royal Rumble though, Brandon. Who else should fit into this captaincy pool for for game week uh, two? Got Salah, Abamyang. Who else are you throwing in that in that pot? Yeah, I mean, we were just extolling the virtues of Roy Hodgson and Crystal Palace. However, it's just the attacking potency of Manchester United. I think that Martial and Bruno. Even Rashford, yeah, they all look like strong captaincy shouts. Newcastle, the mighty Newcastle putting two past West West Ham. I think Aubameyang feels still like the stronger shout over Salah. Now, this is before we have seen the remade Chelsea play Brighton and mm. Chelsea host Liverpool. If Chelsea look fantastic against Brighton, that's going to give me even more pause with, uh, again, going with Mo Salah for the captaincy. So, my bus team right now, it's with Aubameyang. I think we saw enough from, we saw plenty from Arsenal against Fulham yep. to, to to make me feel good about that. Manchester City, it's against Wolves, but, you know, looking at the these opening results, we were just saying while we were watching that Liverpool-Leeds match, if Liverpool drop points here, does this just open the door for Manchester City to walk this league now Brandon we still haven't seen City play this season but the the narrative is there to happen where City have a point to prove Pep has a point to prove before his contract expires yeah they could just come out and absolutely steamroll Wolves I would not be shocked by that yeah if I felt confident and maybe you can help me feel more or less confident about this um if I felt like Phil Foden was going to start in game week two. Um, I think I would maybe just move to Foden um, as my transfer this game week. Um, just get rid of this this failed Jared Bowen experiment um, and start <laughs> uh-huh. bringing in Man City players now. Uh, my my thought was to move from from um, Ings to Martial, which is which is still what I'm sort of. That's that's a strong contender for moves, but I don't know. But yeah, like like you said, I mean, especially Wolves with a with a remade backline, I think that uh, mm-hmm. could be, you know, could be some potential there. Raheem Sterling is still the player that I'm kind of just like I'm ready for him to become the standout FPL asset this season. It was all KDB last season, and Sterling just was fits and starts. But I just I wonder if a really proactive upside move is to move uh move Salah or Mane right to Raheem Sterling going into game week two and you could even go ahead and captain him yeah um I I honestly don't know if I'm gonna move Salah the entire season 
this is how I felt even going into the season though. So, I mean, there's a question here from, from Kyle T and a lot of people had this question um, that, you know, a lot of people are planning on Salah or Bombing to KDB. A lot of people had some variation of this question. A lot of people are planning on Salah or Bombing to KDB. Does this first week mean you can realistically hang into both instead of freeing money for United and city assets? Did anything change from the two players that, I mean, the two performances that we saw that makes you feel like a, I mean, because you talk about Raheem Sterling, like you said, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those two players that goes, right? It's very hard to have yeah. three expensive yep. players in your, in your midfield. I think a bombing is, God, I hate this question because it, <laughs> it, it just, it, I think the reason I hate this question is because it has some like inherent negativity. It's like, which good player do you want to drop? And I don't really want to drop good players, but it just feels like the sensible move is Aubameyang. If you're looking at both Salah and Aubameyang, Aubameyang is the first to drop come game week three when they have Liverpool. Um, God, I don't know, but Aubameyang is so confusing because he has looked good in every match and including the Community Shield, the FA Cup final. God, I'm so confused. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we thought was going to happen, uh, that we, you know, that we we brought in these players because we thought they would do well. And then the 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 really tricky thing is is deciding when, when to move them on. I honestly don't care how well Aubameyang plays in game week two. He is out for me after yeah. game week two. He could score five goals in game week two, and I would still yeah. drop him before game week three. Well, that that is That is my strategy. And I just, because I just feel like we have enough evidence on Aubameyang to know that he is really good when he's playing bad teams and that Mm -hmm. he tends to disappear against good teams. And I believe that I believe that to be true. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of evidence that Kevin De Bruyne or Raheem Sterling, which one you go with are awesome against everybody at all, Mm -hmm. all the time and are very captainable and are fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm still feeling the, you know, the afterglow of Kevin De Bruyne, you know, locking in a top 100K finish for me in game week 38 this season with a massive captain performance. Um, so, you know, I think for for me, it's it's it isn't tricky. Uh, and I just I think that I, I just know that I'm going to move to Man City player. I think KDB versus Sterling is kind of a fun question because Sterling's mm-hmm. ownership is like 2%. But, uh, you know, and it may be I, what, what could possibly happen for me is that there are enough cheap forward options which i don't think we have yet but callum wilson maybe one of them maybe maybe rodrigo turns into one that you could have three expensive midfielders at some point um mm-hmm. and and then you would just have like maybe you'll have like you have two cheap forwards and like uh, and you know maybe ryan brewster gets that, that maybe that deal goes through yeah. with sheffield united you know and maybe that that's like a wild card team in game week four or something mm-hmm. like that yeah i've been trying to make it work that if you could keep obamying and sala and then bring in Sterling or Kevin De Bruyne or even bring in Bruno and it's funny the only way I can see making work making it work is every defender is 4.5 and with one 4.0 so you've got room for one 4.5 plus defender Mm -hmm. and then your strikers are it's just absolute uh, just guts your team it it, it really does yeah. yeah so it just doesn't feel balanced so I think that I thought I thought you hit upon some good advice in the pre our preseason coverage, just general sort of how to treat your team, where a good way to look at your transfers starting now, now that you have a squad, is as best you can leave those cheap players where they are and put mm-hmm. yourself in a position 
where you can use your transfers week to week on those premium assets. So even though you can't have at all times three premium midfielders, you're able to move a Bombing to a city midfielder or move him to a Liverpool and, and rotate them in and mm-hmm. out. You can bring in a Bombing when he has that flat track bully setup. Now it's going to get a little dicier when price changes come into effect, but I think I think that's a, perhaps a viable strategy. I, I will say with the Aubameyang thing that it, it may be that Arteta is just has figured it out because I, I mean, how can you not be just insanely impressed with everything he's done so far? And I I think that William is a player who could probably fit, and I don't think it's a knee jerk at all to to try, try to look at bringing him into your squad, you know, as soon as possible. I think that um, yeah. Um, it looks like he's just exactly what that squad needed. And so I, I feel even if I'm not super high on uh, on Aubameyang kind of as like a real like long-term keeper, um, I am really high on this Arsenal team. We didn't talk about the defense at all, but uh, I mean, Gabriel, 5 million, comes out with 15 points. Right? Interesting, like Castagna too. Uh, we'll see if we'll see tomorrow if one of the new Wolves uh, defenders uh, does anything, but uh, yeah. if they even start. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, I mean, Gabriel's only 5 million. Uh, Rob Holding got the start. I don't know if that's a long-term thing or not, but um, he's only 4.5 million. Um, you assume that Saliba is eventually going to, you know, earn a start as well. It's kind of an interesting uh, lineup for Arsenal. Uh, didn't you think? I, it was not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, all precipitated by the bust-up with Enketia and uh, who's the Real Madrid midfielder guy? Um, Ceballos, which is like much ado about nothing. Like, who cares if these guys are throwing punches at each other? Was there a bust I actually hadn't heard that. Yeah, uh, that's how, uh, yeah it was, I somehow missed that. During the warm-up before the match, uh, they were doing the whole, like, um, you know, passing around bull in the ring sort of a thing. And they uh, were going in on each other pretty hard. And then they had to be separated. Um, I don't oh, wow. know if that really impacts anything. But I mean, I got totally Alex Awobied in game week one. <laughs> I did this before, like yeah. three years ago. Alex Awobi was played like every minute in preseason for Arsenal. Look in the champion. And the, oh, uh, yeah, it looks great. It looks yeah, so yeah. good. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah. And then you realize, oh, right, the reason why Iwobi was playing all those minutes preseason for Arsenal is because they didn't want to waste those minutes with, like, their actual good players getting getting hurt or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Now, Saka, Saka is good. Saka yeah. is good, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't dispute yeah. And That's exactly why I brought him in. He looked, he looked fantastic uh, when he was on the pitch last season, looked great in the charity shield. And then when he doesn't start, doesn't get a single minute, I'm like, all oh, right, Alex freaking Iwobi. So um, he Saka, yeah. he's the first one. I, I, I'm pretty strongly considering burning burning four this week just to solve that issue. Right I was going to ask you, yeah, what are what are your what are your planned or possible transfers for for game week two? What are you what are you thinking right now? Well, like you, I've got a million in the bank, and that was with the eye toward moving Danny Ings to Martial, which leaves me another point five. So then, I don't know. Saka is tricky because, like you, I also have St. Maximin, and I just have these two weirdo 5.5 midfielders, and I just want to yeah, do something that's a little... long term. Oh, I want to be a little more um, incisive in my midfield. So I feel like I got my price arrangement a little wrong in my midfield, and I need to shift a bit of money so that I can turn one of these 5.5 mids into uh, into maybe somebody like Zaha 
just yeah. somebody with a little a little more assurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I, mean, I can do that maybe, right maybe away. Maybe though Foden. I mean, I know I just talked about Foden too. I mean, Foden, you could you could do sock out of Foden. You know, this week, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Foden, it is crazy that Foden's only 6.5 million. I mean, we yeah. haven't talked about him enough just because City didn't play in game week one, but really flying under the radar. I mean, he's 4.1% owned, 6.5 million, probably a fairly regular starter for that team, uh, one would think. Um, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's like, I hate to, it's like pepperlet to me is like the phrase park the bus in that, like, <laughs> it's such a trigger phrase for me now that I, like, I can't stand hearing it. You know, it's like every time you hear pepperlet, it's it. like, it's like, it's like, it's like two nails just like going down on a chalkboard. Like I just, it's yeah. like, yeah, like, yes, he's going to rotate. Like we don't have to talk about it. I, you know, it's like, a, yes, it's going to, it's a possibility. It could happen. Uh, but I, you know, I think that uh, he's, he's a player and, and, you know, the other players, Mason Greenwood, who, I just it really and, and Foden actually falls in the same categories. Remember, you're like, also, by the way, it's like two guys got in trouble, but only like the black guy is like getting all the bad press. Like, that's weird. <laughs> like what? I don't know. That's a strange yeah. thing. But um, yeah, but Mason Greenwood and Foden are both uh, seemingly at risk of possibly not playing in game week one. It sort of depends on whether they're going to train with their team this week. So uh, it's very annoying. And so like if if. You know, if if Greenwood starts to train this week and photos come out of him with the team, I may stick with Ings for one more week and just and just move Bowen to Greenwood and mm-hmm. just get on with my life. You know, I don't <laughs> want to have this this annoying problem anymore of, of mm-hmm. having of having a Jared Bowen on my team. It's just like I, I want to it's kind of yeah. like you with with Saka. It's like I just want to get past my mistake. But if you burn four, yeah. what would you do? Yeah, well, now I'm now that I'm thinking about it, and both of us have talked about the idea of William being being compelling coverage for Arsenal attack. I think if I could hang on for one more game week till we come to the Arsenal Liverpool matchup, where I'd be more mm-hmm. comfortable moving Aubameyang on and and uh, just kind of seeing what what will what happens with William that would just give me so much more money to do something much more interesting with mm-hmm. Saka and St. Maximin so you love to bank a transfer Brandon. I well but I'm not going to bank a transfer I'm definitely I'm if I if I don't burn four I'm definitely bringing in Martial definitely okay. yeah yeah I mean because you could go Mitro to Bamford I guess or somebody like that Callum Robinson, and then no, I want if if Fulham are going to take any points this season, it's going to be against a team that they actually have recently played against. I mean, not <laughs> okay. recently beat, not that they beat <laughs> right. Leeds in the championship, but that's just not a priority for me. I mean, Mitro is not. It, you don't feel good about Mitro. I, I wouldn't suggest that you should feel good about Mitro. You should feel concerned about it. However, yeah. I don't think it's a priority <laughs> at the moment. No, it's just the like, I mean, when I look at my team, uh, I'm concerned about Mitro. I'm concerned about St. Maximum, to be, to be quite honest. I Not enough to probably do anything about it uh, I, right now. Uh, I'm concerned about Bowen. A um, little concerned about Davis, to be honest. Um, and so I'm like, and I'm not as concerned about Ings. You know, like that's the, I, I'm planning the same move as you, um, as mm-hmm. you and I often end up moving. Yeah, we sort of are it's hard to do a podcast with somebody and not end up kind of simpatic on a lot of ideas. But, um, you know, I think that that is a move that I would do, but I don't feel like 
Ings at home to Spurs is some terrible fixture. Like I, it'd be okay to me if I if I had Ings for for game week two. Um, and so maybe I just solve one of these these things that I don't feel good about first. Yeah. You know, like like one of the like kind of bedrock ideas of fantasy is fix your weakest link. Yeah. And if I look at my team right now, it's that I've got six point five tight end, uh, Jerry Bowen, who doesn't even look in shape. I don't know if that's just like how his how his body looks, but he, uh, <laughs> he looks didn't, like didn't look like didn't look like he was ready to play at all. I was like, what? The, how did I ever get this guy into my team? Uh, I don't mean to go on in him so much. I know he's scored some goals in the yeah. championship or whatever, but like it was just kind of like I was like I, I was not feeling that move at all. Uh, all right, so just one last question here. Um, uh, FPL Mikey said, uh, you know, what do you think about the Everton defense? Because that's another thing I could do is I could go Davis to Dean. Um, is Dean worth the price at six million? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, he he showed against Spurs that, yeah, six million is a 100 percent fair price tag. Any fullback that's on set pieces like that, you know, with the, the from Doherty to Trent, these fullbacks can absolutely earn that price tag. So we've got one we've got one sample uh, and it's against a, a fairly stout team in Spurs and Dean did a job. So, yep. yeah, I, I, I think that's a I think that's a good place to look. My only hesitate, my hesitation with Dean is not the player, not the team, and it, and not really the price tag because I think it's a fair price. It's more how how is that just going to ripple through the rest of my FPL squad? Because basically, yeah. the first the first sixty minutes of this podcast have been like, my God, we need to scrounge every penny for our midfielders. <laughs> yeah. So, well, but yeah, I, I, mean, I do have a Virgil Van Dyke at six point five, which is not looking like the best of picks coming out of game week one. So, you know, that's move him to Dean and you're getting a great fullback and you're saving money. So I like that move. You know, one move I haven't thought about um, that this isn't actually to the Everton defense, which I thought looked fine, but I've got a million in the bank and I'm a little worried about Mitro. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is probably a pretty interesting option here. And I probably some of that we, we, Again, this is a little bit like the Man City thing where it's very easy to fall into the trap in preseason of really focusing on game week one. And I mean, suddenly you look ahead and you're like, wait a minute, Everton play West Brom, Crystal Palace and Brighton in their next three, uh, with two of those three at home. And they look incredibly dangerous and nobody on their team is expensive. Like, what? like maybe we should have thrown them in in game week one and, and not and not you just sweated well, us out too much it, and so it yeah. actually went according to plan perfectly josh because what we would say about everton in the preseason is this look this all looks promising but judging by their form after the restart dcl didn't get any returns we have to just see how they look and mm-hmm. what happened was they looked fantastic it's not like dcl hauled though so we kind of got like the perfect litmus test and now we know everton is a safe space uh, so I feel I feel great about everyone converging on Everton going into game week two, having seen what we saw in game week one. I feel like that's our logic sort of working as it should. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Brandon, that's game week two. Let's take one quick break and we'll get back and do our famous 30 second lightning round. Got some very good questions this week. Be right back. Hey, gang, even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. 
You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Brad, we're back. It's the lightning round. We've got four lightning round questions. Each question gets a 30-second response. So, Brandon, this whole section should take us two minutes to get through. First one comes from Benny Blanco. He says, when you are unsure what to do, is the best option to just do nothing? <laughs> this is the magic question, isn't it? We, kind of, we, yeah. we talked about this very earlier in our 10 Tips for Success podcast, where you, the hardest thing in fantasy is to know the difference between being patient and being passive and being patient is generally good because uh you you want to look at an fpl player an fpl asset and say i brought you in for a reason maybe it didn't work out this week but you know on your current trajectory we'll get points next week or the following week but to be passive is to just look past the point that you have a bad asset and let it just sort of rot at, at, at the center of your team so how do you know the difference i think I, I, how do you know the difference, Josh? What's the answer? Well, I think that last year, um, I mean, honestly, and I, I, I'm sorry that, that you're the example I'm coming to here, Brandon, but I feel like last fall, this was a real uh, issue for you, which is that you had a, like a tricky team set up in a way where you had a lot of Man City players and you didn't quite know what to do with them. And, um, you know, I mean, this is the thing is like you spent all this time putting together a game week one team. You, in theory, have a team full of players who, you believe in, you know, at least, at least a little bit. I mean, enough to have them for a one game week, if not multiple game weeks. And so um, there is always temptation to just, to just stick. But uh, I think that um, in general, the best option is to do something. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is not to do nothing. And I think that um, yeah, now, you know, let's say if Sadio Mane, Sadio Mane is an amazing player with a super long track record in the Premier League. Um, used to be a little better at home on the road, but kind of reversed that last season. Um, or just level things out a little bit. If I had Sadio Mane, I wouldn't do anything. I would just keep him, you know? But Jared Bowen, Mitro, these players, you know, move them. It's fine, Uh you know? (laughs) Just like don't. Here's the tricky one. Yeah. yeah. The tricky one is Spurs, Josh. Okay, so there are a Mm -hmm. lot of people out there with Harry Kane and Son. 
And I would be quite unsure about that after the Everton match. Now, are you unsure because Spurs didn't look great? Or are you unsure because Everton looked that good? So if you're neither of us have Spurs assets right now, I mm-hmm. feel like they are in the uncertainty camp where they should be moved to the Williams, uh, Arsenal attackers, City Rashford. United attackers. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I feel like had, that's great. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that if I if I had Sun in my team and I had 0.5 million in the bank still, um, I would move Sun to Rashford. Just like I would keep things very simple. Now, yeah, I mean, this is assuming you have no other issues in your team or whatever. I mean, I don't think that Sun, having Sun away to Southampton is, is I mean, it's a bit like Mane, right? I mean, we know that Sun is um, a player capable of some massive returns and so if you if you keep him that's not that's not a huge problem but again it's it's not about who you're getting rid of it's who you're bringing in and that's what you have to focus on with this stuff mm-hmm. um you know and actually it's interesting because the next question um sort of ties in with this it's from uh um joaquim who is the designer of the always treating make fantasy fun again t-shirt Chef's available yeah. yeah available to uh, patrons of the top two tiers and available on our shop uh he says what do you think of that's a free plug for our patreon brandon he says uh when, when you think of transfers do you prefer for to focus <laughs> when you think of transfers, do you prefer to focus on getting players who performed well last game week in or players who underperformed in your squad out? So again, just to simplify that question, do you focus on players who performed well last game week and bringing in good players? Okay. Or do you focus on taking out bad players? What's your, where's your focus? Oh, the focus should be bringing in good players because I feel like you get into trouble when you say, I'm angry at this player in my team. I'm getting him out. And you could be bringing another problem in if your focus is just on getting a player out. So just focusing on the positive, what do you hope to achieve by getting a player out? And what you would hope to achieve is actually bringing a good asset in. So start start the conversation with what is it that you want your team to look like? Who is it that you want to be in your team? And then... Move on from there. Now, I think what you would say to that, Josh, is a, a, another best practice is to fix your weakest link. So, you know, you identify who you want to get out in your team. But uh, I, I, it's kind of like it. it's not as complicated as I'm making it sound because you mm-hmm. kind of know who needs to go out and, yeah. and don't focus too much on that. Just focus on who you're going to get in because you kind of already know who's going to go out anyway. I think it's a really interesting question, though. Uh, it's something that I wonder if I think about enough, like, you know, as a, as a sort of strategy. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I just, as we're sort of talking, I'm, I'm actually maybe talking myself into Calvert-Lewin for Mitro and, and, and sort of abandoning my earlier plan and keeping Ings for a game week. Um, because maybe I do just want to take the, the, the underperformer out. I don't know. It's, it's tricky. Uh, they play away to Leeds, then they play home to Aston Villa. I mean, I don't want to get too into my own squad again here, but you know, I mean, you have to, you'd have to think about, it's not, it's not in a vacuum. You know, you have to think about like long-term, like, is this player underperforming, but are their fixtures about to get a lot better? Um, you know, is this player that I'm getting in or that, that I'm, that I'm targeting? Like if, if you're focused on players who get it, you know, perform well, bringing them in. Like, is this player about to like jump like 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3 in price? Uh, if so, do I want to move just to get them early? I think the price changes have an effect on this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And those are, I, I think, I think um, 
tomorrow night, Monday night, maybe Tuesday night will when will be when we first see price changes really start to come along. If I'm looking at yep. the site I like to use, we both like to use is fplstatistics.co.uk. It's a good place to go for real-time projections on price rises and drops. Yep. Yep. I mean Bamford for Leeds right now Sunday night is a 68% chance of rising. So if you if you add another couple days on that, maybe maybe he's getting close to rising around Tuesday night. So yep. um it's just something to, that we're going to have to start really talking about in a couple of days. Yeah, I think that um, I think that William will end up having a price rise this week as well. Um, annoyingly, it looks like De Bruyne uh, may have a price rise too, which would really screw up some plans, Brandon. So yeah, I'm shocked. I didn't think that was going to happen. I figured that most people who had De Bruyne would just have him coming in game week one, and you wouldn't see too much action with him until he actually took the pitch and did something mm-hmm. to encourage more yeah. transfers. So, but here we are. Yeah, and and I if if I'm not mistaken, uh, even if you players brought in on a wild card are not mm-hmm. are do, do not impact the price change uh, delta. So I yeah, that's don't right. Think that yeah yeah. So yeah, if you've uh, got right. a bunch of people yeah. out there who trigger their wild card and are now bringing in City and United players, it, by that logic, they shouldn't be impacting. Uh, those well, I think writers. we're. I think we're getting close to 30 seconds in our response here to um, All right. Hakeem. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's move to the next question. Joe Anderson says, how many game weeks should we actually wait to make opinions of players and teams? A very philosophical lately around this time, Brandon. So how <laughs> many game weeks should we wait to make opinions of players and teams? I'm still not sure we have much idea about the promoted sides after these games. Uh, Bamford transfers seem ridiculously <laughs> premature. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about this? Uh, how long How long do you wait to make an opinion of a player and a team? Well, I do think that it, it's – we didn't see many surprises. I mean, maybe Everton and Newcastle being as as well prepared yep. for the season as they were were surprises. But that, that aside, looking at Fulham and Leeds, we expected Fulham to struggle. We expected Leeds – to be an organized attacking outfit and those have borne out to be true so you you know what the deal is with those. i don't feel like we need another one or two or three more game weeks to know where we stand with teams like that so joe i think we're good i think you have what information you need to act on i think um obviously with the promoted teams i feel like there's more likelihood that there will be two or three different players who kind of like come into the points week to week. So maybe it's going to take us three or four to really zero in on it. Is Jack Harrison the yeah. guy is Rodrigo yeah. the guy. Totally. That's why I don't want to do a game week two wildcard. For example, I, I don't feel like I have enough information yet to, to, to have strong opinion. I mean, you know, of course we're always making opinions as we watch these matches and, I have, you know, I mean, you've got opinions on the hair of the uh, Leeds players, but you can't help that. Okay. You're ma- you're forming those opinions as you yeah, watch. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it, again, it's like this Fulham thing. How could you watch that match and not have some opinions about, about how that club is going to do this season? And so the, it, it, these are just natural things, but yeah, I, I think to, to start acting on them too early does seem a little premature. I say all that having talked all pot about how I might drop Mitro. So, you know, maybe I'm just being a hypocrite here, but I, I do think that um, you should give it at least three or four weeks, especially with the promoted sides. Migs, final question. With so many mid-price bargains in the game, do you think you could have a top 10K season without any Man City players so as to avoid the inevitable 
Brandon, I can't even say the words. <laughs> Pepperulette. Do it. Pepperulette. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I plugged my ears when you said it. Yep. So, um, what do you think? Is this uh, something that you could pull off? Could you pull off a top ten K season without a Man City player? No, you can't do it because they will score a lot of points. I tried to do this. You mentioned this last fall. I tried to go without Liverpool assets and I went all in on Manchester city and that blew up in my face. It would have, it would have blown up in my face if I went without, if I didn't have Kevin De Bruyne at all, it's not like you could have covered Kevin De Bruyne's points with all of Liverpool. The key to success, the key to a top 10 K finish is striking that right balance. Um, And Maybe you can, I, I think you could still achieve a top 10K finish going without city assets for a month stretch at the right point in the season when the fixtures really line up for for other top four teams or, or um, really punishing attacking FPL outfits. But no, I, I, I think that's just not the right strategy. No, uh, I don't think it is either. I mean, the problem is uh, you can go without those players, but you know, everybody else will uh, have those players uh, in their team. And all it will take will be a couple of, which happens like every third game week, uh, one of Sterling or Kevin DeBrenner are going for like, you know, 22 points uh, and being captained by yeah. whatever, you know, having an effective ownership of 135% yeah. in the top 10K. And there goes your chance, you know, I mean, not, not, not completely, but just like it, it's going to put you in a massive hole sort of every time that happens. And so that's it. I think that's a good way of putting it is the problem with going without city assets or Liverpool is their captain's players. You can go without Danny Ings. You can go without, maybe you can go without some of these Chelsea guys because they wouldn't be captain and it's easier to skirt around them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is. I mean, this is why like the Everton thing. It's like it's tempting to do it, but it's not going to hurt me if I don't bring in Everton players. You know, it's like the, the, their ownership is not going to be overwhelming in, for any one player for for a while at least. If Dominic Calvert Lewin keeps performing really well, then sure, then then maybe you're in a tricky spot. But um, you know, I mean, his ownership, Charleston's at ten, he's at seven. Um, but you know, if Kevin De Bruyne is already set for a price rise, he already came into the season with what was it like probably at least 20 something percent ownership. Mm -hmm. Um, So if, if that keeps rising, he's at 27.2% already. It's, it's, he's so good. I mean, it's, it's not like you're uh, and also, I actually don't think that the roulette hits the top players as much as people think. I mean, Riyad Mahrez is a player who is always a little bit at risk, but I think with De Bruyne and Sterling and honestly, even Aguero when he's healthy, I think those three players in the attack are pretty locked in. Yes. Aguero is going to miss, one start out of five, but typically that that's, that's fine because you're going to get so many such massive returns from the other four matches that it, it, it justifies the one game week when he gets bench or comes off the bench. Dominic Calvert Lewin is unbeatable in the air. Like that, that's a stat that he is insane at. Like his aerial duels one is, I feel like he led the season two seasons ago in aerial duels one and, he mm-hmm. saw it against Spurs, just like crushing that header into the goals. Like beautiful ball from Dean too. Yeah, in the air, this guy is unbeatable. And and Ahamas Rodriguez, like his crosses were delicious. If yeah, he's he feeding good. off of all of the, if DCL's feeding off of all those b- balls, I think like there would be a ton of headed goals by DCL this season. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would say that Richarlison arguably better. Uh, I mean, I, his finishing was insane. <laughs> 
insanely mm-hmm. poor, but he looked like, man, he was up for it. He was, he looked really good. I, I not like I, I'm going to bring on my team for 8 million good, but, uh, he looked really dangerous. I thought, uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. I, the one thing that was fun about that Spurs match was you knew that was going to be a goal because the announcers were celebrating the cross <laughs> yeah. as it was sailing in. Like it, no one had even touched it yet. And they were already congratulating. They, they knew because yeah. a ball that good, somebody is going to score on it. Just, it, it was impossible not to. Uh, and it was, it was a really beautiful, I actually thought the game was, wasn't so bad. Um, people came in negative on Spurs, but I thought the first half was, was pretty back and forth. There were some interesting moments and Sun looked okay. Kane did not look very good. Uh, but I thought that 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 was like one moment of like all you want in a match is like one mm-hmm. glorious moment, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, it's kind of like the it's like the um, uh, the end of that the Southampton game. You and I were trying to pump ourselves up and and not not get too negative. We're like, let's just have one like one fun moment here. Uh, and right at the end, it was Kyle Walker Peters feeding mm-hmm. in, and you were mm-hmm. like, oh, this is. This is, uh, you know, he didn't score, but it was a beautiful moment. You know, it, was it was exciting. Yeah. yeah, it was exciting. And on that upbeat note, Brandon, that's your podcast for game week. For the end of game week one, the start of game week two, thank you to everyone who listened to this week's podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. We would really sincerely appreciate it. Uh, and you get a lot of free stuff as well. Well, I guess you, you're a patron, so it's, it's part of the package. It's not exactly free. It's all good uh, stuff, though. You get lots of good stuff. Uh, and uh, to uh, I, I want to quickly thank our producers as well. Uh, thank you to Trevor Ingerson, Mike DePietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, to Big Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jess Benning, David Nolodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Blair, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg, Skogang, Paul Hertzig, Kaya, Kirstine Malang. Uh, congrats on, the, on all the playmaker stuff this week, Kaya. They, they had a very cool uh, rundown, uh, like a fantasy football guide to beginners. I don't know if you saw that, Brent. It was very, mm-hmm, uh, very yeah. really cool page they put together. Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markoff, FPL Merch, uh, Kerry Swanson, Brandon B., Paul Scanlon, Kieran Screeton, James Hurd, Francis Mann. Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, producer Matt, Michael Yuang, Bruce Kerr, Albert Paxoy, Nicholas Vernadakis, Sam Shower, Henry Baker, and Will Husby. I've got two Husbys now, Brandon, in the uh, Husby. producer tier. It's very cool. I feel like they should start uh, so- a law firm, Husby and Husby. They really should. They really should. I, maybe they've already done that. You know, we'll, we'll find out more. We'll do some sleuthing. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, another way to support the pod is uh, that is free to you is just to leave a rating or review uh, on Apple Podcasts or subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher and the like. Follow us wherever you get social media at Hell Cheaters on Twitter at Hell Cheaters, Instagram, Facebook.com slash always cheating. Or send us an email, hellcheaters at gmail.com. All this information and more is available to you at our website, alwayscheating.com. Brandon, Lord Soloth may be back, maybe come to Spurs. I can't think of any better way to make fantasy fun again. We'll see you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.